Welcome to the Calming Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Minton, psychotherapist and mindfulness coach. This podcast is designed to offer you inspiration, wisdom, and actionable steps to support you to nurture your inner light. As a woman with a membership serving self-care for women in particular, I have dedicated a great deal of time and attention to the difficulties we women face in prioritizing and making space for our inner balance and our care in our lives, as so often we are pulled in the direction of caretaking and prioritizing the needs of others. In this episode, Harvey Laguerre, a stay-at-home dad of four and men's life and success coach, offers a different perspective about the value and importance of self-care specifically for men. Harvey suggests that attributes that were once manly are now toxic, and the lack of safe spaces for men to express their emotions is a significant issue. Harvey states that being a vulnerable man is not celebrated like it should be, and Harvey is dedicated to creating safe spaces for men to open up, reveal their inner monologue, and receive support. Harvey suggests that it is crucial for men to prioritize these spaces to nourish their inner self. I welcome you to listen to this interview with Harvey Laguerre. So good to have you here today. And I'm really excited to hear your insight and your background and wisdom, anything you have to share uh, with my listeners. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I love this opportunity, any opportunity to talk about, you know, men's mental health and just anything in general. I like I'm a talker. So it works. So this podcasting thing kind of works for me. So that's great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. So I wonder if we can start with a question that I typically ask at the beginning, which is learn a little bit about your, the way you got here, your journey, because a lot of times I feel like people in fields where we're helping, we're coaching, we're offering, you know, insight, awareness, growth. There's a process that we took to get there and our own lives, right? Usually. And so I'm curious if there's anything that you would be open to sharing about your journey and how you got here. So one thing I, I, one thing I had to really decide to do is if I'm going to have men on my podcast and men are the prize, that's the podcast. And it's a space for men to be open, to be vulnerable, to be emotional. For me to do that, I have to be willing to be that myself which means I have to be vulnerable. So when I talk about what I do, I'm going to tell you everything. I don't really, there's nothing I won't tell you. So for me, this podcast came about because I needed something like this 30 years ago. I'm 49. When I was 18, I left home, went to college and promptly failed out. I was a mess. Went there and did terrible. I came home. I was basically a failure in my home. And like dad couldn't even look at me. And I was spent a year in this house as this failure and self-esteem that I had went out the window. Any self-worth that I had went out the window. And I tried to kill myself. And obviously I didn't succeed. And I needed somebody to talk to me to say, you know, I, I know you just failed at this, but this is not the end of the world. I didn't get that conversation. I didn't get that hug. And I needed a hug really bad. And that's that began this journey where it's led me to what I'm doing now. I am who I needed 30 plus years ago. 
And there were a lot of men in my same position who have failed, who wanted to do something and it didn't work out. And there's nobody to say, you know, it's all right. You failed. It's not even a failure. It's a teaching moment. You learn something, you'll do better. And in all honesty, if it's a daughter, she can be emotional. She's allowed to, I didn't succeed. I didn't do well. And a lot of times we'll just bring her in. It's all right. And we'll do that. But we don't always do that for our sons. And I really needed that. So what I do now is I talk to men. And the real point of the podcast is not even the subject matter. It's the talking. Talk to me about anything. I bring them on. I ask them questions. But we'll talk about anything. We'll talk about sports. Talk about fatherhood. I'm a dad. I'm a stay-at-home dad of four. I got three daughters. That's a conversation within itself. Talk. I'm trying to normalize men talking about what's going on. What's going on in here, in our heads, in our hearts everywhere. And when men hear other men talking and being comfortable and being vulnerable and talking about their stuff, it's okay for me to do it when I hear somebody else do it. And that's what we need. We need a, we need a bunch of men comfortable talking about what's going on because this whole toxic masculinity thing that in my opinion, that's where it comes from. A bunch of men who didn't have anywhere to express their feelings, to talk about the struggles that they had. So what happens like any human we struggle with things. It piles on. I, I asked this girl out on a date in high school and she said no. And I didn't have a dad or anybody to talk to about that. I didn't make the football team. That's sitting there. I didn't get the job that I wanted. I didn't get the promotion that I wanted. I can't buy the house that I want. I can't start the business that I want. It's stacking. And there's nowhere, there's no vessel for me to get that out. Eventually, I'm, it's like any other person. I'm going to explode. Because I can't tell anybody. I can't express it. I can't let it go. I can't heal. I can't get better. I just get worse. So Men Are the Prize is a space for men to be whatever you need to be. And when we talk, we are so much better for ourselves, our kids, our spouse, family, our cities, our communities, all that stuff. You get a bunch of men who are comfortable saying, you know what? Now, I'm having a bad day. I didn't get that promotion. I feel terrible right now. And to just listen to me, not pity me, not tell me to man up about it, but to just hear me talk. And I've always uh, say to the men, like 99% of the issues that we deal with, I feel like we can resolve if we just talk about it. So I asked two men to do two things. One, be communicative. Talk about what's going on. But two, be that vessel for another man. So who am I going to talk to? I don't know who to talk to, but I know I found someone, but I'm that guy for somebody else. That's my journey is to get a bunch of men comfortable. And when we do that, we're so much better. That's great. And how did you get to that point? So you're at home. You feel like a failure. Your dad is kind of harsh, it sounds like, with you mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah. And... And then what? Like, how did you get to this place where you're like, oh, I need to talk? Did you find somebody or was it you being that person? So this, so I'm 49 now, so it took me 30 years to get to this point where I'm super comfortable. But I have a scar from my attempt, so it's here. So I can see it. So I tried. It didn't work out. I really still didn't have anybody else to talk to. What I got to the point was, is that every day I needed to find a reason to not try again. Okay, I failed at this. My dad hates me. My family thinks I'm a failure. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. But that wasn't the answer. So at the very least, I knew what I tried wasn't the thing. 
what am I going to do? So now I'm thinking about it, but I'm still dealing with this failure that I am, this person who might see my dad's a CPA and in this family, he's like the guy, you know, when you got that person and like, oh, of course his child is going to follow in his footsteps and is going to do all that stuff. So I had all this pressure on me and I didn't know how to handle it. So I tried that. That didn't work out. I don't know why I didn't do it again. I just knew it wasn't the right thing to do. Something was like, no, there's a reason it didn't work out. What are we going to do instead? So I still sat there trying to figure out and I still had low self-esteem and I still felt terrible. And I still felt like I was an embarrassment to the family and to my father and to my mother and to whomever. But I just, it took me a while. I just had to talk to myself. I had to just kind of reset. All right, what are we going to do? You got to go back to school. You got to school. And I, I really just kind of thought a lot. What did I do wrong? What can I do better? And I really got to the point where I was, I eventually was not concerned with what everybody else thought of me. Because I had to get, I had to be comfortable with me first. I had to like me. I don't care what these people think. If they don't like me, but at the beginning, I don't like that core. I don't like me. It's pretty irrelevant what everybody else thinks. I have to like me first. And it took me a while to get there. So it's years of just kind of sitting there and I'm working. I move out. I live with a parent or a family member. And it took me a while to really just, you know what? Now you're just dragging. Now you're not doing anything. Now you need goals. Now you need focus. Now what are you going to do? I'm not going to be defined by my one attempt. It's not, that's not my whole story. That's just one small part of it. So I really had to just dig deep, figure out what I wanted to do. And to be honest, it took me such a long time to figure out what I wanted to do. It wasn't until I actually ended up meeting my wife that I'm like, oh, now a family, I I think that's what I meant to do. I think I'm, I'm meant to be a father. And that really would, when I got to shift the focus, I'm okay. But now I've got kids. And when I met her, she already had two kids. So I met them and we connected and then we got married and we had two more kids. And then I was working. And then eventually I stopped working and then I'm at home. And I'm like, this is the calling. Mm. I'm here to take care of these people, my three daughters and my son. I'm here to make sure that they go into the world confident, empathetic, loving, supporting, good human beings. Because I know that's the kind of person I am. So I, I'm, that's my vision. That's my thing now. I, I'm, the, I'm an annoyingly proud father. Like I will talk your ear off about my girls and about my son. So that's what it was. When I found what I needed to make me happy, what I needed to do to be. And a father is what it is. That's really... And that's where I am now. So once I got that and I'm like, I can talk to other people now because I was at the depths. I can, you struggled. I know I was there. I don't know if I don't feel good about myself. I know I was there. I don't know what I want to do with my life. I know I was there. And then we can have a conversation and I can relate to you. I could tell you chances are I did. I had the same thoughts the same ideas, the same bad decisions. But I got past it. I got out of that. And I can help you so you don't make that bad decision. So that's what the podcast it is. It's a space. And then from that, I end up, now I coach men because these conversations I would have with the podcast, a lot of these guys after would be like, oh, wow, how long have you been coaching? And like That wasn't even really my thought. My thought is just I want guys talking. But if I'm able to help you in any way, 
let's do it. So, you know, that's my, uh, it's my current story. Wow, how beautiful. That's great. And what resilience. That's a, such a story of resilience. I was listening to a podcast um, actually from Oprah and she they were talking specifically about suicide rates increasing uh, exponentially among Black men mm-hmm. and the importance of exactly what you're describing mm-hmm. or Black men in particular. I mean, yes, all men, but yes. there's, and so I wonder if, I'm just noticing the value and importance of that in general, but also you as a black man delivering that message and Mm -hmm. being there. What's interesting, and it is, and it's sad, especially during the holidays, I really get into this deep discussion about mental health. Because as men, we attempt suicide a lot more than women anyway, in general, forget even our race or anything. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're just kind of in our own heads. We There's a lot of times where we are by ourselves. And when we get into that Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's season, which is typically family oriented, what you get is a lot of men who for some reason or another, maybe the, the marriage ended, divorce, anything. And that guy who's used to, you know what? Thanksgiving dinner, everybody's at the house. Everybody's at the table, we're eating. And then we're gonna go buy the Christmas tree. And then we're gonna go buy the Christmas gifts. We're gonna do all this. What you have now, men, with none of that. Now they're by themselves for whatever reason, because divorce happens. We don't get our kids. We lose them. So what you have is a guy who's used to being a husband and now he's not. He's used to being a present father and now he's not. All he has is himself and his thoughts. Wow, I was a terrible husband. Am I a terrible father now? What am I going to do? I'm the reason that these kids, their mom and not with me, and all these thoughts over and over and over again. The holidays are the absolute worst for men because now we just sit here thinking that we're the problem. And in a lot of cases, I don't know if you've noticed this is other, this whole other thing about loneliness in men. We don't make friends. So now I'm a man who's divorced, doesn't have his family, his wife, his kids, or anybody. And the only thing worse is that I have no one to talk to about it. Meanwhile, two houses down, there's a guy who is literally going through the same thing. And we don't talk to each other because it's not a manly thing to do to express our emotions. Now, when you talk about being a black man, it's hard being black in general. It's hard being a black man in general. That's just a 13-year-old black man just trying to live and go to high school and socialize and do whatever. That's hard. Then we have a whole lot of other factors that we deal with. What if I'm gay? What if I'm transgender? All these things, that makes it even harder. Meanwhile, it's just piling up on top of the fact that I'm Black to begin with. The reason it's harder is because being Black is hard. Being gay and Black male is hard. When I go to school, I'm automatically assumed to be the problem. So immediately, people are waiting for me to mess up. A fight happens and I happen to have been around, I'm the problem. So you add that on. I'm also not assumed to be as intelligent. So they assume I'm not that smart. So you add that on. So I'm a problem. I'm smart. I'm the troublemaker. Maybe I'm the clown. Black kid in school, just trying to survive and nobody to talk to. And it's just all this stuff. And there's that running pattern. It's just weird. Life is hard for everybody. But uh, the people who have somebody to talk to about it do better than the people who have no one. And what you get is a lot of black males who maybe don't have a dad or don't feel comfortable talking to mom about these things and don't talk to their friends about it because I'm a black male and above anything, the black man is supposed to be stoic. We're strong. We're athletes. We're all this. And we don't need to talk to anybody. Just rub some dirt on it and keep it moving. That's what it is. 
being a black male, I'm not supposed to need help. I'm supposed to be the one helping you. I'm not supposed to need mental health, especially somebody to listen to me too. I'm supposed to be the ear for somebody else, for my child, my partner, my spouse, but I'm not supposed to get need help because I'm this black male. And it's, it's always been this way. We're stoic, we're athletic. So of course, we're going to try to kill ourselves more because we're, we've got all this on our hearts, in our minds, on our shoulders, everywhere. We just get up, we go to work, we help people, we deal with them. We're never on the top of our own lists. We are never, it's never, what do I do for me? We don't go to the doctor to take care of ourselves. We are predisposed to hypertension and diabetes and heart disease. We don't take care of ourselves at all. So of course, we're going to die earlier. But we also don't take care of ourselves because that's not it. When I talk to men and I'm, I ask them two questions when I do this pod, like, who's that friend that you could talk to if something went bad? And it's, it's a joking kind of thing. You did something stupid. Do you have a friend you can call and say, hey, I did something really dumb. And the way we men, we communicate. I'll be like, yeah, you probably did something dumb. And we'll laugh about it. We'll talk about it. Do you have a guy like that? No. It's not even a thought. The prospect of having somebody listen to you is so, it's rare. It's foreign. The other question I ask is, what do you do to self-soothe? What do you do when life is kicking your butt? You didn't get the promotion. You don't feel good about yourself. Maybe you're interested in this woman and she won't even give you the time of day. What do you do? I don't know. We don't even have something for us. The concept of self-care, of taking care of me, even to the annoyance of family and spouse and partner. Sometimes I need to do something and I know my wife is here with the kids and it's been a long day and she's working and my nine-year-old is annoying her and my teen, the other two teen daughters are bugging her and my 19-year-old son is bugging her. But sometimes I have to say, listen, I know it's, it's ugly in this house right now. I need two hours or I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be any good to you. And I know this is like the worst time to do it, but I know me and I need to go right now. And it's hard to put yourself first because we never are put first. Men are never put first. We are the ones creating the list and putting everybody else on it. We're never the ones. We're never the person. So doing that for ourselves is so like, it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel right. I'm supposed to provide for you. I'm not supposed to provide for me. So I'm like, you need someone to talk to. You need to be that person someone can talk to. And you need to go do something for you. Pull that mask down before you can have everybody else. Yeah. And what's so interesting is that a lot of women will fe- will speak about how they feel like the men are always put first and they're the caregivers and the caretakers. And what I'm really appreciating about what you're saying is that the emotional needs of amongst men, that community of men with men meeting those needs isn't there. If that, I, And here's how I hear what you're saying, but I want to check this out and see if I got it right. If there was that community, the whole dynamic would be different. Am I hearing you right? Oh, you're right. Because what you have is a whole lot of men dealing with the same issue, but not talking about it. A bunch of men who were like, yeah, she's dealing with a lot. Well, I mean, we're supposed to be a team anyway, right? So we talk about the women and the men. If we're talking about that, who feel like, like you're saying the women are saying that, that the men are always first. Everybody <laughs> thinks. Everybody thinks that they're not being prioritized. So if the men prioritize themselves, and then talk to their wives like, listen, you are in most cases like the backbone of this house. 
you handle so much, you take care of so much. There's just issues that we have as husband and wife. I would love to help. I'd like to be there, but I didn't fold the towel the way you wanted that one time. So I tried again and then, and I won't get into that. We all have our issues. We all have these, the hangups that we have, but I think if men are able to just deal with what's going on, if we're comfortable talking to our wife, our friend, whomever, and say, this is what I'm feeling right now, then we can do better and then we can work together. But for me, I talk to men strictly. So what are, what, what are you doing for you? You can yes. be married, you may not. So that's my focus. Yeah, no, yeah, I got it. Rewind, reflect, renew. I've got a special year-end reflection guide to help you uncover lessons and insights, celebrate wins, and set the stage for a transformative year ahead. Let's make the most of your journey into the new year. This guide is available for a limited time only until Wednesday, January 3rd. So head over now to get it at thecalmingground.com forward slash new year 2024. One of the, well, the theme of this month is affirmation and mantras. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that, about your mantra and the meaning behind it, how you came up with it. So I do a podcast with my wife and we are five years in. So we've done a bunch. And during COVID is when we started doing it because like we can't leave the house. So let's just put a microphone in the room and start talking. And we did it. And it's, and it's called Love is Black. And we would just talk about our relationship. And it did well. People like hearing us talk. And then we bring other couples in and we talk about stuff. And it's great. Black love is beautiful. Love is great. I'm like, at some point, I want to do one for men. I want to do a podcast for men. And one thing I was thinking is that when was the last time, and this wasn't a dig at my wife or anybody else, but when was the last time somebody out of the blue said something nice to me about me? I couldn't remember. We don't get that. We don't get that kind of praise. And it may, it may sound like complaining. It may sound like, you know, you're in your feelings or something. I've got three daughters and I know I tell them how smart, how beautiful, all this stuff constantly. We praise our girls, but we don't praise our men, our boys. And I'm like, why not? And I don't know. It's not that I don't need it. I mean, I'm, it would make my day. Hell, praise a man out the blue and see what he says. Get a look at the man's face and see what he says. And see, you can tell because it's so rare. Wow, you look really nice in that shirt. Wow, dude, are you in the gym? You've made that day for that man for weeks. You've done it. It's, can I just say, I could, I rattle off. Tell me your question again. I started talking about something. No, that's okay. We were talking about mantras and your mantra. All right. So yeah, that's why I was talking about it. So once I started my podcast, how do I come up with it? In terms of, you know, I guess mating and dating and all that stuff, women are always seen as the prize. And I'm like, I love women. My wife is awesome. But I think men are the prize too. I think men are pretty cool. So men are the prize. That's what I come up with the podcast. Now I take the word and I take a few of the letters and I'm like, let's come up with some stuff. P is purpose. So when I get the guy on the podcast, what's your purpose? Why are you here? What do you do? Do you know what your purpose is? You do know what your purpose is? When did you find out? So I do it to engender a conversation. P is purpose. R. You, you mentioned that word before is resilience. 
life for being a man is to be resilient. We have to deal with what gets thrown at us and we have to make things work. So for you, when I'm talking to this man, give me something that happened to you and you got through it and you found out you were more resilient than you ever knew you could be. And then that's digging in. We're getting into life and all that. Z is zeal. What do you do for you? Not for the kids, not for your partner, not for your best friend, not for the job, not for the community, for you when life is beating you down. Zeal. Do you have something you love that's just for you? And then ease expectation. Are you where you thought you were going to be when you were a teenager? When I was growing up, I'm, I'm an 80s kid. I grew up and I love the 80s in every form of fashion. I grew up watching LA Law and I'm like, I'm going to be a lawyer. I love seeing people. do. I love seeing that back and forth banter in court and such. Are you where you thought you were going to be? And it's, it's okay if you're not. We're kids. We think it'll be a firefighter. Two weeks later, I want to be something else. So you're not where you thought you were going to be. Is this better? Is it worse? What are, you, what are your expectations for a year from now? So um, we talk about the past with purpose and resilience, and we talk about the future with expectation. I want you thinking about you all the while. It's a positive discussion. And one good thing, since we're talking about affirmations, at the beginning of every episode, I read a bio. I read that first. And, and I, you know, some pod and you'll do our mine beforehand, but I do it and I want him to hear me. What does it sound like to hear this? This is what you've done. You went to college, you've got degrees, you've got kids, you've been a speaker, you've won prizes, you've done all this stuff. What's it like to hear what you've accomplished? And it's a good start to the pod. I like it that way because you can't help but feel good when you hear what you've accomplished. And when's the last time somebody said, hey, good job. So when I do the pod, I want to affirm you. I want you to hear what you've done. You wrote it, maybe somebody else wrote it for you, but hearing it being read and I read it lovingly like, what? You did college and then you got a master's and you got a PhD? You for, what? I want to be just like you when I grow up. You know, it's all this love that I, that I can give because I'm proud of every man for everything. And it may not be education and all the letters after his name. Maybe it's just life lessons. Hold on, your father? Me too. How do you deal with raising your kids and not just sit back and take and soak up that advice? How did you start this business? How did you become a speaker? How did you survive the low times in your life? You almost, almost committed suicide. So did I. I got this. How'd you make it? The affirmations are important because I think men, to, men need to hear that. You're good. In whatever you've gone through, whatever struggle you've dealt with, you're here, which means you made it. How'd you do that? I want to hear from you. I want to learn from you. And there's nothing better than one, somebody telling you how good you are, but somebody wanting to know how they can be like you in a good positive way, not, you know, in a cocky or arrogant way. But yeah, I'm here and I'll help you with anything you need. And men, that's what we do. It's in our nature. And when I can just tap into that, he opens a man up. The man's heart is just, will it just, it opens up when I'm respected. I think that's the word for men. I think respect is an important one. And it sounds like a deep honoring of the person, right? Mm -hmm. Versus the provider or the toughness or whatever that is, but really the, the whole person. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. Everything else is a title. Everything else is something thrust upon me. I'm supposed to provide. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do that. You are good 
no matter what you're doing. You're good because you are you, not because of what you can provide, not what you can give. It's because you, you, I mean, I'll use me. Harvey, you're good because you're Harvey, not because you're a stay-at-home dad, or I get up early to take the kids to the bus, or I take them to all their events, or help them with their homework and do all that stuff. You are good just because you're you. And I imagine, and I'm I'm curious what your response to this is, is that that is probably one of the greatest gifts that you offer in your coaching and in your podcast. Is that true? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's for that hour. And I say it, when we do this podcast, you are the center of attention. So I'm not saying that the fact that your father is not important. I'm not saying the fact that you're a great husband isn't important or a good friend. What I'm saying is that you are important just because you're you. And we need to feel good about us. So definitely, I spend a lot of time on that, I guess, self-actualization. You're good just because. And maybe you've made mistakes and maybe at times you didn't feel you were good, but you are good just because. And I and once we get that, that's one big hurdle. Yes, you're good. I'm not a bad man. And we're kind of living in an, in an age where it, at times it feels like we men aren't good people. So we spend a lot of time trying to make sure men know. I do it. You're a good person just because you're here. And then all the rest of the stuff that you do makes you even better. But at your base, at your core, you're just good people. And I'm wondering, has has your work or your journey impacted your relationship with your dad or him at all? So that's such an interesting one. So my dad, see, so my parents got divorced when I was 10. And I had to go to court not to pick which parent I wanted to live with. So I had to testify. So I was, which is, so that probably wasn't the best start. So the first 10 years, it was a very just toxic marriage, violent. I just was around for a lot of bad stuff. So after that, I live with my, I live with my dad, which wasn't the best decision, but that's what happens. You know, we haven't had that discussion. I am better. I had a long gap of time where I didn't talk to my dad and meeting my eventual wife and having our kids eventually. I really got to a point where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I really walked around and I hated him for a really long time. A really long time. I walked around with that hate. And I'm like, I can't do that because I can't pass that down to my kids. I want my kids to know their grandfather. I want them to have a relationship. I'm Haitian. We're a huge family, tons of cousins. And I loved that. And I wanted them to have that too. But because I didn't talk to my dad much, I wasn't that involved in the family. And I really, one day I'm like, I can't do this. I got to let it go. So whatever hate I had, I let, let it go. Talked to my dad. He met my fiance. At that point, when he finally met my wife, my fiance at that point, and we met and we talked and I'm like, okay, figure, I forgive you for all that you did to me, all that you did to my mom. Let that go. So we're in that good place, but we've never talked about that. And strangely enough, at some point, I'm probably going to have him go on a podcast and then we're going to have a talk, but not that talk because that doesn't need to be public, but a discussion. But we're better than I would have expected because, you know, if not for meeting this woman who's my wife, I don't know if I would have talked to her, but it really, it was something I needed to do because I don't know how great I would have been in a relationship when I had that much, that much hate. And I really, really had a lot of reasons, aside from what I experienced with what he did with my mom, just stuff. He did enough stuff to me where I could hate him. And it doesn't work. It doesn't help. And it, it, it holds you down. It hurts. 
to have that much negative emotion in. So I dropped that and then I was a lot better. And now it's good. I see him, hug, we talk, but at some point we will have a serious talk and I think we'll be both be better for it. So it's improved from me getting married to doing the podcast. We're even better because I can, I can empathize with, you know, struggles and stuff that he was going through when he had me, he had me when I was young. So he had a lot going on and I, I can recognize that. I can recognize that and still recognize that he did some really bad stuff, but it, it, it allows me to be better, to be more, to, to, to love him. Just knowing how many men I've talked to and what they've gone through. I can kind of see my dad in some of those other men that I talk to. So the relationship is a lot better. It'll be much better when we have a when we have the conversation, but we're in a good place. Okay. I'm really appreciating your perspective. I I run an online membership for self-care for for women, right? And so lots of talk about kind of prioritizing space for your 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 needs in your life. And I'm so appreciating that you offer this for men because I think that there can be assumptions, right? Like that oh, you know, like patriarchy and that there's, that guys have a privilege, which I think white guys do. But I think that you're, there's also, there's also detriment. And this is what I find a lot of in my role as a psychotherapist is I meet with men and so much of my work is to create a safe space for men to have an ability to talk about their feelings, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah. to be vulnerable and tender in themselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm appreciating just so much the work that you're doing and creating that space. And I really invite women also to notice the importance of men creating that space with and amongst men. Mm -hmm. And that that is not a privilege that you guys have in, in the many cultures of men, right? Yes, it's true. It's self-care seems so strange, seems so weird. Like as a man, I'm like, I'm not supposed to be dealing with that. That's all soft and emotional and such. But it's so important. What you have is a lot of men walking around not being themselves. We're just fitting in this mold of what we're supposed to be. You, A lot of men aren't themselves walking around. They're just this, okay, get up, go to work, take care of the family, do all this stuff. And all this stuff that whatever physical, emotional, whatever issues you're going through, just keep that to yourself. Just stop. Don't talk to anybody about that. Don't worry about it. It's not their business. It's your business. You deal with it. And you said safe. And I've talked early on when I would do this podcast, I would say that's to me, safety meant two different things to women and to men. I've, and I could be wrong. It's just an opinion. I always thought with women, safety is being able to leave a building in the dark of night, get to my car and not get attacked. So I've got my key sticking out. I've got my pepper spray. I got to make it. I got to be walking around and, and make it. And I'm going to be okay. Men, I just... I worked for a year, for a year at this job so I can get this promotion. And they gave it to somebody who wasn't even in the company. And they brought him in and took my spot. And I have nobody to vent to about that. I am pissed. I deserve that promotion. I feel hurt. I'm embarrassed. It should have been me. And the only person who knows is me. Who do I feel safe enough to tell that to? so that it, they don't take it and run and make a joke about it and run and tell somebody else and make fun of me. To me, for men, safety is having somebody I feel safe enough to lay down my worries to and know that it's not going to go somewhere else. And that's an issue Black men have. We 
we're working on being vulnerable. But in a lot of relationships, a lot of men that I talk to, they will give that woman, that partner one chance. And they will tell them, they will open up, tell them something hard. And then a fight happens and it gets thrown in your face and it's over. I told that to you, not for you to save it as ammo, but for you to understand me. And then as soon as we had a disagreement and you wanted to get back at me, you went personal and you threw that in my face. I'm never going to be open with you again. You lost me because it's not ammo. It was me. And you threw me at me. You threw my struggle in my face. We could argue about something else and we could just be mad about it. But no, not this thing. So when you do that, forget it. You lost me. So this safe space is for men. That's what I say. Find a safe guy to talk to because he's going through the same thing. Or maybe he's not, but he's going to listen to you. He's going to understand. He's going to mess with you. He's going he's gonna to joke with you. We men, that's how we handle things. Like, oh, you did something stupid. I don't know why you did that anyway, whatever. But then when we hang up that call, I feel so good because I got it out. And I know that guy, I know Jeff's not going to tell anybody because that's my boy. That's what I've always felt safety to me. And obviously safety means the same thing for men. We are more victims of violent crime than women, actually. But when it comes to emotional safety, I'm trying to create that. I want you to just come here and talk to me. And it stays here. It doesn't leave. So that's what I try to do. So I am appreciating what you're saying. And I'm wondering if there's any closing thoughts that you have for today, anything that maybe you haven't touched on that feels important, or you just kind of want to go back to and emphasize. I was thinking about this like a few days ago, and I and I have a lot of these thoughts because one, I think about myself as just a man in general and the men that I help and staying vulnerable and staying open. But I also really think about my place as a parent. Growing up, I didn't get a lot of hugs. And lately that's been on my mind. And I'm gonna, you know, I, I'm gonna start trying to work on posts and doing more stuff on social media. And it occurred to me that when I was 18 and I didn't think I had any worth, all I needed was a hug. All I needed was just some form of emotional connection. I end my podcast with this every time because I think it's important. There's a lot of men who may be listening or watching my podcast who are struggling, who are, they're this close to ending it because they don't think there's anything left. So I end my podcast the same way. You may not know it, but there's somebody waiting to see you today somebody's waiting to hear your voice, to laugh with you, to joke with you, to do anything with you. You make somebody else's day better by your sheer presence. I know you might be thinking about doing something bad because you don't feel like there's anything left. There is something left. There's someone left. Somebody loves seeing you walk in the room, loves laughing with you, joking with you, with that dark humor, with the ridiculous things that you may say, with the way you walk in. Somebody needs you. Somebody loves you. So you may not know it yet. And this is for anyone. You may not really know, but there's somebody whose day's better because you're in it, because you show up. So you got to show up. We need you. And I say this to my listeners, and I don't know you. I haven't met you personally, but I hope to. I don't know you, but I love you because this world works better when we're all here. So don't make a decision that you may not be able to change. Stay with us. You are valuable. You are worthy. You are needed. You are important. It's not the same if you're not here. So keep that in mind. We need you. 
we love you. And I always end it with, you know, you're a man and you're the prize. So thank you for letting me speak. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Harvey. I really appreciate your message. And I look forward to listening to your podcast and learning more. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. My name is Harvey Laguerre. That's my website, harveylaguerre.com. You can find the podcast there or my social media. And listen, and just jump on and just hear somebody be vulnerable and talk. And that's all it is. Thank you, Harvey. You take good care. Thank you so much for listening today. Subscribe to not miss another episode. And please share this podcast with a friend you think might benefit. I'd love to remind as many people as possible that they too can have the peace, calm, and rejuvenation that a little self-love and care can bring. And lastly, I'd love if you would leave me a review and let me know how I'm doing. See you next week.